All right. Um, I love the Bible. How about you guys? Good. Three people. Nice. That's what we're doing here, okay? Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. And we're going to uh, read a passage, um, or uh, passages, I guess. It's um, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. And I am reading it out of the ESV. For those of you that have your phones, you guys can go there if you want. And those of you that have actual Bibles, which is, you're probably more holier than all of us. But uh, you're going to have to stick with whatever version you got. So, all right, let's read it. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Here's the deal. Uh, we are all being discipled by somebody, by something, right? It's, it's happening. Um, just recently, you know, there's some, you know, different shows and things happening on, on Disney Channel that, that a lot of people, you know, if, you, if you're looking at Christian media, whatever, they're all saying, stay away from Disney because they're doing this and they're doing that or whatever. And I'm not going to sit here and say boycott Disney, okay? I think that, that boycotting is ridiculous in some ways, okay? But I will say this, that we do need to be aware. We need to be aware of what the world is bringing to our families, what the world is bringing to our uh, our hearts and our lives. Um, and this is not a new thing. It's not, not like media just all of a sudden showed up and like now we're being implanted into our hearts in, uh, you know, uh, sin and, and um, acceptance towards things that maybe we shouldn't be accepting towards. That has been happening since the beginning of time. You know, for my parents, uh, you know, their, their generation... Um, especially for the women, it would have been uh, romance, romance novels, okay? They were reading these romance novels and, and they were reading things that were fake versions of love all the time. It wasn't real versions of love. And, uh, but I mean, you can just fill in the blank. Us guys, we love to watch shoot 'em up gun type movies, you know? And it, and it does something to us, even though I'm not saying you can't do that. It still does that, does stuff to us. It gives us that satisfaction of somebody being destroyed because their kids, because they stole a kid or something, you know? Uh, you know, it's like constantly the world is bringing to the table um, something alternative to what Jesus teaches. And this has been happening forever, and that's what we see here. So what we're going to do is we're going to quickly, and i got to do this really fast because at my church we preach for 50 minutes. So 25 minutes is really, really short for me. Um, all right, so here's the deal. 
if you look at the very top of this, uh, or you look at, you know, the beginning of, of uh, chapter 3, it says this, and I'll just read it real fast. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's going to be a key passage, a uh, key phrase there. And having the appearance of godliness. I, I want us to just think about appearance of godliness as we continue on. But denying its power, avoid such people. Now, yes, I think we should avoid such people. That is legitimately what it's saying. But I think also there's avoid such things, such, such environments that causes us to do that. But what does that mean? That does not mean that we don't hang out with non-believers. Your guys' church is based on hang out with non-believers, which I love, which I think most churches are getting that wrong, to be honest, okay? There's a lot of churches that create their little bubble, their little community that's like, I, um, I don't want anybody in here. We're going to have a football field, and we're going to only have Christians playing football. We're going to, you know, whatever. That's, that's kind of the, the environment that a lot of churches bring to the table. But I want to tell you, that's not going to work in 2022. I don't believe it's going to work in 2022. I don't believe it's going to work in Seattle, Tacoma area, because uh, you, you really are, I mean, as you guys can see, there's different churches in your federal way. I'm learning a lot about federal way. I didn't grow up in federal way. I grew up in Tacoma, so I do know this area pretty well, but my wife grew up in federal way. And after asking lots of questions and things, I'm learning a little bit more about federal way. And you guys have churches of every single ethnic group all around the, you know, the, the city. And the thing is, is there, if you go there, 95% of them are going to be the same ethnic group when you go into those places. And that does not disclude white people churches, by the way. We are also in the same we have a lot of white people churches out there that don't allow a lot of other people to come in. And it's not because they don't allow, but it's because they create an environment that does not allow people to, um, you know, feel like they're a part of the Jesus culture and not part of, um, you know, that, that you create a version of Jesus culture that isn't Jesus' culture, if that makes any sense. And so here's the deal. One of the things about discipleship is that we, all, we have to model these things and that has to happen individually and it also has to happen um, as a macro church as well, okay? And so we're going to look at a few of these things that, that, that Paul actually says and this is how we're going to create a Jesus culture. That's my point in this message and really I'm not calling it a Jesus culture. I'm calling it how do we create the image of God in our church, in our lives, in our homes, in our missional communities. How are we going to do that? So this is what it says. I'm just going to go, you know, kind of verse by verse here. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness. Let's look at the word followed for a second. I love this word. In Greek, the word follow can also mean to trace or to trace out actually, in a very similar way as what you would do when you draw, okay? Well, what's interesting is, okay, I have eight kids, as you guys heard, um, which is nuts. You guys can ask us later on about all that, but 
Um, we, we love our kids, and we have different ages, 21 to 3 years old. And uh, one of the things that, you know, recently, this last week, I was helping my 5-year-old, um, you know, trace out his numbers. He's doing 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, right? Um, we homeschool, so we're helping him out doing that way. And um, one of the things about tracing out is that not only is he learning the number, but he's learning how the number looks, and he's going to be able to read it. My daughter has been learning Korean, and as she, um, she has to trace out other, you know, how to write in Korean, which I don't, Hangul or whatever, I don't remember what it is, but anyway, she loves it, and, uh, and she's learning how to do it, but she has to trace it. She has to follow along with whatever they're telling you to do. She can't just freehand it. You can't freehand things that you don't know, right? Well, I want you to think about this in the same way as following Jesus. We cannot freehand. We cannot do it. We have to trace out. So how do we trace out? Well, the way that God has modeled tracing out is discipleship, is a person um, and people in your life live a certain way and you go, wow, I should live the same way. It's very simple, actually. And we see this by Jesus doing it for the disciples and then we see it as it progresses eventually to Paul. And that's what we see Paul doing. So he's saying, you have followed, you have traced out in grave detail. You, he is literally um, encouraging Timothy to create an image with him. And that image is an image of Jesus, ultimately. And this is how he does it. He does it by his teaching, which is simply words of instruction, that seems to be the simplest part that most churches get right to some degree. They have somebody like me sitting here or standing here, and we tell you things about the Bible. That's what we do. And people go, wow, that's really interesting. I really like that. But if it stops there, uh, Jesus is not just interesting. I don't know about you guys, but actually Jesus is kind of frustrating sometimes. The Bible's frustrating. I don't want to live the way that it says sometimes. Because it's sacrificial. Later on, we're going to see that it brings persecution. It brings suffering. Why do I want to live like Jesus? That's not that interesting, actually. That's actually, uh, you know, painful in a lot of ways. So if all we do is stop at teaching, we're messing up. That's what we're doing. We cannot just stop here. We've got to move on to the next thing. What is it? Conduct. The way he reacted with others. Um, Paul had a conduct that was Jesus bearing. It was an image bearing of Jesus. It, wherever he was, he spoke in grace and in truth. He told people what needed to be said, but at the same time, he also gave them love and grace. And the conduct showed a lot. So what does that mean? You have to model it, right? You have to model it with your conduct. The way you react with who? Non-believers, right? So obviously, we can't create a little community that's far away from non-believers because if I do that as a dad and my, and my kids never see me interact with an adult or with some other person that doesn't love Jesus, they're not going to know how to act around people that don't love Jesus. They're not going to even know how Jesus acted because Jesus was the first Christian. <laughs> there was no Christians besides Jesus and everyone from that point on that he learned or that he uh, in, you know, invited and was introduced to had to become converts of Jesus to some degree, right? So Jesus was the greatest way of, of doing that, and he had to interact with non-believers, right? Um, but his conduct, 
Next was his aim in life. I love aim in life, just the wording of that. That's why I love the ESV in this one. Aim in life. What was his aim in life? It's his mission. It's his purpose. Uh, we planted a church in Tacoma a few years ago, uh, right before the pandemic. Worst time to plant a church. Um, but it was really fun. We actually enjoyed it, but it, you know, it didn't take off, and it's all good. But here's the deal. Um, we called it Arrow and Heart. And why do we call it Arrow and Heart? Because we wanted people to know the aim in life that we have. We wanted, and I, I didn't even, I mean, I knew the scripture, but I, that wasn't part of the name. But we wanted people to know that our goal is to launch arrows at a, a, an actual goal. And that goal is to see people come to Jesus. And so Paul modeled an aim in life. Next, he modeled a faith. Faith is, is something that we use for lots of things, but faith in this is his trust and confidence in God. Paul modeled his confidence in God. I don't know about you guys, but um, as parents, when we're f- kind of freaking out about finances or we're worried about a situation um, that's happening, um, it's not that we can't fall apart in front of our kids. By the way, if you are locking your door every single time you're trying, you're processing anything, your kids are not learning how to process. They're not learning how to process out loud. And I'm not saying you should be throwing out F-bombs around the house. If you really have an F-bomb problem, go inside your room, okay? But outside of that, you should be processing in front of your family, in front of your kids. Honestly, it's okay to process around your non-believer friends across the street. Because I promise you that if you're doing it the godly way, that they're going to see a godly way of processing. They're not going to see uh, the way that they process. And they're going to go, wow, they process a lot better than we do, or you know, whatever the case. Um, and, but it also shows the real and rawness of, the, of their life. And it's okay to show the rawness of your life. Um, so confidence in God he modeled. Next is going to be patience. Uh, long-suffering. Um, you know, I'm not a very patient person, and so I need to learn how to be more patient, but patience is a big thing. Um, if you don't model patience to other people and the non-believers, you're going to, you, you know, that the world is not patient, right? We want our Amazon right now. That's what we want, you know? All the things that we're, you know... Um, Man, we get so frustrated when we find out that something's on back order, okay? That is such a ridiculous problem that we have in 2022. Um, but we do, and so we need to model patience. I don't need that thing right now. I don't need to answer that text right now. I don't need to answer that phone call right now. And what patience does is it models that the people that you're with, you care about. That's a big deal, Right? Next is going to be love. He modeled love. This specific love is agape love, but also um, there's some, some you know, things in the Greek where it seems like it's more of like a benevolence-type love, which benevolence is an action-type love. Uh, many churches have a benevolence ministry where it doesn't matter what thing they're going through in life if they come to the church and they come to the front desk. They're saying, we can't pay a bill or we can't, afford food or we can't do whatever, we figure out a way to benevolently, I don't know if that's a word, but anyway, give the money or we provide food or something like that, right? 
And we need to, he modeled that as a benevolence. So I love the fact that you guys are already, you guys are talking about, right before I came up, is we're talking about things you guys are doing for your, your communities and stuff. And you guys happen to maybe not be in communities that are in high, high need, right? But, but you're still bringing a benevolence in the sense of their spiritual health. You're bringing them, that's one thing that we need to, that we need to stop thinking that the only thing we can bring to the table is our uh, finances. If the only reason why you come to church well, I know nobody comes to church to give money. That's certainly not why they come to church. But if, that is, if that's what you think your contribution is to the church, you're messing that up too. And, I, you know, this is not my church, and right now at least, okay? And so I can easily say that if that's the only reason why you're giving money is for you to say, I did my thing, we don't need your money. That's not how it works. God doesn't need your money. That's not how it works. You give out of a place of agape love, out of benevolence. You give out of a place of there are people that need, there are people, and, and of course the church uh, is part of the way the, uh, that God gives the need to people because it's a spiritual need, not just a monetary need, right? So you model with that. Um, I pray all the time that I will be generous Generosity is a thing that's somewhat lost in our, in our world right now. We talk a lot about why we want this one politician because it's going to give me more money or it's because it's going to do this or it's going to do that or whatever. That, everything is based out of a selfish, I want, I, I deserve mine. That's, what, that's the attitude that so much of our nation is in right now. And so if that is the case, how are we modeling being generous and, and maybe, maybe, it doesn't matter the whole politic, political thing, but ultimately maybe we should just be the church and be benevolent and actually fill the needs of the community. And then, you know, maybe a lot of these problems will go away. You know, I'm not saying that they will go away. And I've got five minutes left. Awesome. I'm like one third through. So, um, last thing, steadfastness, endurance, cheerful endurance. The word steadfastness, I never saw this before, but I, 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 I like did multiple things of research, and it wasn't, it's more than just endurance, but it's cheerful endurance. So this is going to matter because as we move on to the next piece of the scripture, he, it's, we're going to talk about persecutions and suffering. So it says this, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Just in this verse, he is already um, showing that he had confidence in God, and he's like, but the Lord rescued me through that. He has confidence, right? But then also, one of the things that Paul continued to show, I mean, you do see him a little frustrated sometimes, but for the most part, he has a cheerful, joyful way of doing what he does. He has seen the worst, and yet he continues to pour into people and have a love for people constantly. Uh, the next piece is, um, we'll move on to, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in, this, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is a byproduct 
of when you are following the Lord. And here's the deal. The word pursuit, I love this. I love this. The word pursuit and the word persecution are actually connected in, in, um, in semantically is how they, uh, how they say it. And what happens is, is pursuit is when you're pursuing towards a, ultimately, a positive goal. Okay? You are pursuing towards something. So as you're pursuing towards a godly life, pursuing towards wanting to reach out to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, pursuing, um, you know, trying to create a, 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 a healthy and a spiritually healthy environment for your family, as you're pursuing that, the world, and as we looked at through that first thing of, uh, you know, chapter three, it says that there's lovers of money, lovers of themselves, and there are all these things. They actually are just pursuing what they love. And the problem is, is they collide. That's what they do. As you're pursuing God, they're pursuing themselves, and they don't like that you're pursuing God. And honestly, you don't like them pursuing themselves either. So it's not like, it's kind of like a, a, a transaction that must happen. If you believe that God is the way and you're going to live the way um, to, and pursue towards God, you're going to experience persecution. But in a lot of ways, it's at that collision is where people's lives are changed because they see you bearing the image of Christ. They don't see you uh, bearing the image of themselves like they are. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter how much I try to be the best Brandon I can be, I am not going to be uh, the best uh, person that they need. Jesus is the only one that could. And so I have to do this. I have to model all these things. And I really feel like and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to end right now just because this is, uh, I know that I have so much more. I feel like this, I can end here, okay? You guys get the rest of the message another time, okay? But um, one of the things that's so important, guys, is that if you... you you guys are a, a cool, unique church in this way where you guys are actually trying to make disciples of the people that go to your missional communities. You're actually attempting to do this as opposed to, no, you don't have thousands of people in this door. You don't have that. But that's okay because the thousands of people that come through the door of a lot of churches um, never actually learn how to live and trace out the image of Christ. What they see is just little bits and pieces of things. But what you have the opportunity to do individually, and for those of you that just go to a missional community and right now you're just soaking it in and you're not really like participating necessarily in the discipleship, I want you to know that you should be looking at these things in these people. And as you look at them and as you see that, um, know that they are going out of their way to try to be Christ-like. For those of you that are running missional communities and attempting to really try to show the image of Christ, you better show the image of Christ. You better be doing these things. This is a high bar. This is not a low bar. It's a high bar. It's not, you don't have to have Bible college and you don't have to all these things to do that. Paul did not have that. Uh, I mean, Paul was really smart and knew a lot of things more than most of the believers, but a lot of the disciples did not know these things. All they knew is that the person that went before them taught them what to do, and they continued on to do it. That is what discipleship was. And so I just want to encourage you um, with, with that, is that if you are in the middle of discipling somebody, you better show 
the image of Christ, and I feel like you can see it in this scripture. If you have any question, read the scripture. What do you should be doing? You should be teaching. Your conduct should be a certain way. You should have an aim in life. Your, your mission should be all about Jesus. Um, you should have a faith, a confidence, and a trust in God. You should be long-suffering and patient in all things, and you also need to be benevolent and, uh, and show agape love and have cheerful endurance through the hard things that you do. And if you do that, you're going to show the image of Christ. And then the other way around, if you are looking for somebody to pour into you, you need to be paying attention to these things. So that, that's, my, that's my message for today. Let's, let's pray real fast. Lord, we love you. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for modeling what it's like to live a life of um, righteousness. And although we will never fully achieve righteousness until one day we will die and be with you, um, we're so thankful ultimately for your grace that you died for us so that we could show righteousness um, to the Father. But, but the, here's the deal, is that that does not mean that we don't have a job to do on this earth, and that is to model you as much as we can. And the more we model you, the more people will grab onto this life, and they're going to want to live a life um, dedicated to you as well. And, and it'll just keep on going and going and going if we, if we continue to keep the, buy, or the bar high in our life. Um, that's what we pray. We love you, Lord. Amen.